Well, let's go and start the podcast with my friend Ben Lawrence. It's a time to dial into the Zoom meeting. It's sorry, everybody, it's taking longer than I am used to. I am still doing it. Hey, how are you? I don't ask how you are enough. Let's 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 find out a little bit. Uh huh. Oh well, that's nice. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I'm glad that you are doing that. Unless it's a bad thing, in which case, oh no, sorry to hear that. I don't know which. I don't know which it is, but I'll find out. When I talk to Ben Lawrence. Hey, Ben. Can you hear me? Ben? Yes, Paul. Uh, you can hear me. Okay, good. Yeah, it was all on me. It's all on Ben. Yuck. It's all Gross. on me. Hey. Get it off him. <sighs> How you doing? Good. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Ben. Happy St. Patrick's Day to those who celebrate. And by that, I'm referring, of course, to every college fraternity member. Now, you know that I am at least partially Irish. I believe you you know this. Uh, Maybe not. But yes, uh, I am about a fourth Irish. Maybe a little bit more. Uh... That is from my biological dad's side of the family. His biological dad is Irish. Was one over one Irish? Pretty much one over one Irish is from my understanding. Although, perhaps partially Swedish. Depending on where Monsieur Blattner came from. Blattner. Uh, there was a there was a controversy that Twenty Three and Me solved, uh, whether or not he was his his dad's kid or his stepdad's kid, because the timelines of the mom getting together with him were such that it was unsure. But uh, Blattner, the original dad, is the original dad. Basically, this is what we have learned. I my sister took a like a twenty three and me test once and sent me the results and I figure whatever she you know her results were my results um, and but I don't really remember I just I think my family is mostly Western European so there's Irish in there somewhere yeah there has to be uh, but I think we're mostly like Scottish and German so the interesting thing that I've found about twenty three and me is that. So many times people will will do the 23 and me and then find out like oh I don't think I'm telling anything out of school here but uh, uh I don't know yeah I'll Say I'll it. mention it um both uh, both of my biological families had a surprise in that like my mom's side and my dad's side that one person that they thought was this person's parent wasn't that sort of thing. Uh, I remember hearing the story of the woman who whose parents were really big on saying that they were from Italy. They're you know Italian was was you know 
the personality of the family. Hey, we're a big Italian family. Like they would say hey, when you're here, you're fa- like so, a stuff big like that. Italian family. Um, and then it turned out that they weren't Italian. Oops. Uh, and that was interesting. Uh, but then there was the other thing uh, where the kids uh, gave mom a 23andMe test. Uh, th- this isn't any of my family. This is just, you know, one of those stories. 23andMe test. Uh, and they said, we all got one already. And now now it's your time. And, and she got really quiet. And then there was arguing and shouting coming from another, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe I believe perhaps it played on uh, Reddit's "Am I the a hole?" thing, right? Uh, which is which is fun, uh, but yeah, St. Patrick's Day. We're recording this on St. Patrick's Day. The Chicago River once again dyed green. People are asking, is it bad for the environment? It probably doesn't help it. Uh, we can say. Well, I mean, it all depends on what they make the green stuff out of. You can probably have some sort of innocuous green thing. Now, one thing I will say, uh, for those of us who, for people who are watching on the live stream, I can't imagine that there are any, but if there are, um, the the uh, camera that you're on, the setup, yeah. is in the location that during the last podcast you said it was going to move to. Yes, I spent uh, the uh, uh, spent a couple hours a couple days ago moving the entire uh, streambox setup to set up for the event that we are doing on Saturday, which uh, will have already happened by the time this episode airs. Let's talk about my Saturday and what it was like for the people who are listening now, but what it will be like for me. Okay, so um, I'm playing a game called Mothership, which is a sci-fi game. That starts at noon your time, 2 p.m. my time. Yeah. And then we have the uh, call for tech, which is when? I think it's 4 p.m. our time. 4 p.m. your time, which is 6 p.m. my time. Yeah. Then, And how long is tech supposed to go? Uh, two hours, I guess. So four to six, and then we have an hour break, and then shows at seven. Okay, so nine o'clock your time. Six to eight, you said. So, yeah, tech will be from six to eight, and then you have an hour lunch or dinner break, and then shows at uh, nine. Wait, everybody in the east. Wait, your your you're adjusting it for my. I am. Okay. Um, so my my friend Jesse is doing a solstice bonfire at his house, which is starting at seven thirty my time. So I'll I'll show we'll I'll we'll get done with the tech. I'll go there, make an appearance, and then come back and do D and D. With the group, right. so that's a it's a hectic, a hectic time. For yes, me. sounds like Saturday is going to be a big day. I will be here in the theater all day Saturday, making sure that it goes off as smoothly as possible. The thing that I am concerned about, I want to go to my friend's house, uh, 
Because his solstice party is a big deal. He burns his Christmas tree and stuff. <laughs> uh, it's it's nice. Um, right. I hope he takes it out of his house first. Oh, yeah. 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 But it goes up like a torch. It's pretty I amazing. I bet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I also, you know me, I'll be nervous the whole time. What if I'm late for the... Yeah. The, the thing the sh- wait the show starts at nine or call is at nine the show starts at nine we stream at nine yeah we ride so, at dawn so I have to be back here by nine before that preferably so like I don't want you sitting down in your chair right at a nine. minute before we go on yeah you know? yeah 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 We'll have to. We'll have to see. I. I might have to. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that works. I might have to drive up there in a separate car from Betty and Jennifer, and just show up and say, "Hey, see you guys." <laughs> I gotta go do a thing. Yeah. Um. I, that'll be good enough. If I if if I stay there for like a half hour. How far I get away back here? Is well, it? it's it's like maybe ten minutes away. So if I come, if I basically, here, give me a call time. Call is at 8.30? My time? Call is, yes, call is at 8.30. Okay. 9 o'clock, go. Which would be 6.30 your time. 7 yes. o'clock, go. Yeah, okay, that's what we'll do. Um, and yeah, we'll just make it make it work. Make <gasps> it work. Okay, uh, great. I forgot we're doing a podcast. Hey, everybody! Yeah, no. Welcome to scheduling with Paul. Nothing more exciting than you know what, Ben. Here's the thing: there's a somewhere out there. There's a time traveler who is going. Okay, this is what I've been waiting for. I know exactly where he's going to be <laughs> uh, during the big ben, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see Debs, Ben? No. Debs. Okay. Devs. Devs. I've not seen Devs. Okay. Devs is really good. It's on Hulu, and I suggest you watch it. And I'm not going to say anything else. so many other things I need to watch. Oh, but it's so Uh, good. I've been watching. I'm all caught up on Severance. Uh, I started watching um, uh, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, which is also on Apple TV+. Oh yeah, that's um, starring uh, Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. How is it? It's good. It's good. I have not read the novel, uh, but I am enjoying the, uh, the the television show. I first saw Samuel L. Jackson in True Romance, and and when I saw him, I was like, "This guy, this guy is going places. <laughs> He's really good." And now look at him. Apparently, uh, I first saw Samuel L. Jackson in Coming to America. But okay, I didn't well, know it was Samuel I, L. Jackson at the time. Here's what I'll say is I first really noticed him. That's what I'll <laughs> say. Um, did you ever see the movie The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy? No. The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy is incre- has an incredible cast, but I didn't like the film. Like, John Turturro's in it. Sam Rockwell's in it. Uh, Samuel Jackson's in it. Just an amazing group of people. Yeah. But, yeah. Not... 
but not a good I, movie. That's, I didn't, that happens. I, I didn't Some, enjoy it. Sometimes a stellar cast can't save a bad film. It seemed messy to me. I wonder who did it, too, because it seemed... Here's the thing. It has everything for a movie that I should like, but I didn't like it when I saw it. I'm wondering... <laughs> I'm wondering if it's like Crash, though. Crash... Not not Crash the... Uh, the the one crash, but crash that was uh, the Cronenberg uh, movie, based off of the J.G. Ballard uh, book. Is it possible that you just didn't like the movie because of some sort of like emotional state you were in at the time when you Possibly. watched it? You know, the other thing is that, and you've you've encountered this with me before, Ben. Where I'll imagine that a movie is is one thing, but then it turns out that it's another thing, and I don't <laughs> like it. Yeah. Uh, case in point, uh, one of the big things, uh, Star Wars, the prequels. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up reading about um, the different Star Wars theories that people had and my own sort of things. And so when the Clone Wars were talked about... I fully expected the Clone Wars to be something much different than what they were. I thought the Clone Wars were going to be like there were multiple clones of multiple people and they were all fighting each other uh. and like impersonating people and you wouldn't know who was who and stuff like that. <laughs> a little bit more complicated. Yeah, I, than like what a Philip K. Happened. Dick kind of thing more than a yeah. than a George Lucas sort of thing. But you know, like I said, THX was good that if you did you see that film i've never seen it tx thx 1138 yeah yeah it's um it's george his, lucas's famous uh student film his his student film that was that was in my opinion really good and you know he he did he did a lot of things that i really liked with it um the use of security footage kind of and yeah. and weird um vocal effects and stuff like that sort of new sort of new not something that i that i've seen in a lot of places i wonder where you can find that these days what thx 1138 yeah is it streaming somewhere uh, it might be should be i would think ifc might have it for example yeah. unless he won't do it i don't know there are lots of uh, calls to boycott Disney right now because of the uh, their backing of the uh, the stuff in Florida. Yes, the, the they they have contributed money to the politicians who are uh, pushing the quote "Don't say gay" bill. In fact, Disney had a walkout, uh, an employee walkout this week. Uh, Might have even been today or yesterday of uh, the uh, the employees that are protesting. Yeah, I I really just teachers already have it very hard. The idea that you're putting a barrier between them and the kids that they're supposed to be looking out for is crazy. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, um there were some students who, you know, when I'm mean, not some students, but some teachers who, you know, when they were talking about that the teachers should be armed um, there were a whole bunch of teachers who said this thing, which I remember that's, that's really, really good. I think one of them might've even been a veteran who said this. He was like, you, we teach these children. We, we, we 
form relationships with them, and you are telling me that I'm going to have to shoot one of them. That that is not going to happen. Yeah, that will not happen. I think, and the reason I think it was a veteran is because they were talking about the whole thing about how in war even it's hard to get people to shoot other people. Oftentimes, so speaking about which, hey, we're still we're still in the middle of still in the middle of a war. Some people are calling World War Three, even though the world hasn't caught up to it yet. We, as you know, uh, are both living in the United States of America. We are both U.S. citizens. We pay taxes, so we support the war efforts of our nation with our dollars. Which, again, you know, dollars are made up. But we do contribute uh, with our labor, which then translate into dollars, so on and so forth. Anyway, we're, we have no leg to stand on when we talk about imperialism, is what I'm saying. I know. I saw that some, some representative from the Kremlin in Moscow told, I don't, I don't know who on the U.S. side, but they were like, the U.S. has no place to tell us, you know, <laughs> you have no moral high ground to, to tell us what, uh, you know, what we're doing is wrong right now. But um, the the thing is that moral high ground is not necessarily um, needed in a logical argument, if that makes sense. Like, um, yeah, this is one of the things. I think it's called argument of the beard. I don't know for sure, but I think that's what it's called. Where it's basically just because I do bad things doesn't mean that I can't tell you that the thing that you're doing is bad. Um, an alcoholic telling someone that they're drinking too much. Um, you, you can say, you know, well, well, look at you, you're being hypocritical, but uh, in a logical argument, hypocrisy does not mean that you're incorrect, basically. So, but it may, it does muddy the message. It can, yes, definitely. Oh, speaking about which, um, news, uh, well, not news, but uh, I don't watch Fox News. But I do watch Public <laughs> Freakout, and sometimes things from Fox News make it onto Public Freakout. Okay. And there was uh, a person who was accusing uh, the United States of um, of forcing Vladimir Putin's hand, like like that we did something. And one of the other Fox News contrib- contributors said. Um, no, that was his actions. It wasn't us. And and they said, but they drew a they drew a line. And and we crossed it. They said, don't interfere with with what was going on in Ukraine, and we crossed that line. And the the person from Fox News said, you don't get to draw those lines on other people's countries, which I thought was really. It's every once in a while you'll hear something on there, and you'll be like, yeah. That's that's very interesting. So um, that person was famous for a little bit anyway. I'm, I'm sure they probably already are famous on Fox News. So it was on Public Freakout because it was somebody on Fox News who actually said something like... Anti-Putin, which and, which it it has not been for a little while. And that, that probably didn't go over too well with the higher-ups. Well, maybe it... Here's the thing. There's a difference between the higher-ups and the base, right? What it might, what this might, because this is a, a more senior member of the staff saying it, yeah. right? So what it might be is they're they're slowly 
trying to turn the ocean liner of public opinion back to Russia maybe is bad. Yeah, maybe because Fox is coming under a lot of fire now and uh, just because of the pro-Russia stance on some of their uh, talk shows. And I've heard that like clips from Tucker Carlson are being used in Russia propaganda videos. And it's, yeah, I, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're trying to turn that ocean liner. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything that, that is surprising to you, Ben, but in the world of, you know, international politics and threat assessments and all that kind of stuff. Um, no one, no one from the United States in general, and this is just, you know, I'm not saying anything, you know, that it isn't prevalent or isn't relevant, isn't seen in the news and all that kind of stuff. This is not some sort of secret knowledge that I have. Um, people in the United States who are involved in diplomatic relations with things and, and you know, that kind of stuff, um, it doesn't matter what country you are. If you're not the United States, you are a potential threat. Right? A Canadian finding out about some stuff that we're doing doesn't sound too bad, but it's still it's still something that you want to watch out for because that yeah. Canadian could then sell it to somebody else, you know whatever. It's the trying to keep all of our plans and all of our, you know, our, our cards close to our chest and all that means not sharing it with anyone, even our allies and things like that. So the idea that a news organization within the United States was chummy with Russia is a little bit concerning. And the same way, you know, there are people, oh, I forget exactly what what station it was on, but it was, there was somebody who was interviewing someone and they did a thing. It was like a McCarthyism sort of thing. And they're like, you, you, you're a, um, you're a, and then they gave what job they had. So I'm just going to say school teacher. It's not school teacher, but you're a school teacher, right? And she said, yes. And they were like, and you live in this neighborhood. Yes. And they're like, and how do you as a school teacher afford to live in that neighborhood? Are you a Russian asset? And that's the thing is that they asked, are you a Russian asset? And here's the thing. The person that they were and you, again, we don't fact check this. We don't do research, but Ben, you can look at this later if you want. Um, You listening can look at it. Uh, Just, just look up. Are you a Russian asset on Google? And maybe it'll show up. Of course I saw it on public Freakout, So I don't know what program it was on. I just saw this clip. Uh, Never said no. Ah. Why would you think I'm a Russian asset? Yeah. Um, how, how, would I, how would I go about doing that? What? Are you saying that this is some sort of TV show and I'm like, I've been recruited by Russia? All these things, but never, no, I am not a Russian asset, which was interesting. Because I would have made this, the Kremlin upset. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the check didn't clear this month. You know, <laughs> the that's check sort of, didn't clear. 
the the but that that's a, a it's an interesting thing that I've noticed Ben in my professional career of dealing with business people people don't want to lie they have a hard time doing it sometimes and so they will simply not answer your question there's a um I think it was a, a. I was watching a video of a lawyer, and he was talking about the tells that people give when they're lying. And um, one of the ways that you can really tell when a person's lying is: first off, they ask you to repeat the question. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they repeat the question themselves. Thirdly, they they probably laugh or chuckle. You know, as they're 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 stalling as they're trying to come up with an answer, and the um, the uh, uh, illustration that was given, the video illustration that was given for this was during a uh, after a baseball game when the Houston Astros were uh, accused of cheating. There was a uh, a uh, sideline reporter who asked Jose Altuve, who is the second baseman of the Astros, like. Uh, are the Houston Astros? Uh, it wasn't like are the Houston Astros cheaters. It was it was something like are are you using uh, electronic methods to steal signs? And he just went through this like one two three went through all these um, processes of uh, and but again the thing was you know I've just been told these are the tells of a lie. So I'm looking at I'm looking at this video yeah. going oh yeah that's that's you know he's obviously lying right now. Uh, but yeah, so when when you tell me that you know this person never said no, I can hear them saying, "Am I what? Am I a Russian asset? <laughs> how could I possibly? Be? What do you mean by that? How how do how does that even? Well, what would what, what would that even mean? Exactly. Yeah. Let's try it. Let's try it, Ben. Ask me a question. <laughs> Ask me a question that you think that I would lie rather than answer truthfully. I ask you a question where I think you would lie. Rather than answering truth, answering truthfully, uh, Paul Goody, do you want to spend more time at this solstice party than you're allowed? I do want to spend more time at the solstice party than I am allowed, but I care about Annex and I care about the show, <laughs> so I will be there on time. I'm an honest man, Ben. You can't, uh, you can't get me. I've been watching Succession, and it's a oh, lot more. Oh, which which uh, which season are you on? Season two. It's a lot more fun watching the show, thinking about uh, the Roys as a sort of like more serious version of the Bluths from Arrested Development, and not <laughs> and not say you know the the um, uh, Murdoch Empire that runs Fox News. Right. Right. Oh man, but there is. There are a couple of things with the Murdoch, uh, gr the Murdoch Empire that was that was interesting uh, that they showed kind of side by side with Succession. You could find clips about it. Yeah, but <coughs> I hated it for a little while, but then I really started to like it. <laughs> Here's I'm on the like episode four of season two. So I'm going to tell you something that is kind of amazing. Did you ever see a British TV show called MI5? <coughs> I have not. Um, the British TV show called MI5, it's about, you know, spies in Great Britain. It was called Spooks over in Great Britain. They changed it to MI5, 
when they brought it over to the United States. Yep. Um, there is a character there named Tom. Tom. Played by the same guy who plays Tom in Succession. And Matthew I want to believe that, because that, he, he sometimes, you know, impersonates other people. Like he has an undercover identity and stuff like that. So I love the idea that this Tom <laughs> is actually a British. <laughs> He's found himself uh, married to the daughter of this media mogul. and Yeah. Now suddenly is the uh, is head of the news division. Uh, I like the- Tom. Tom at first was, I really didn't like him just because of the way he treated Greg. But yeah. uh, he, Tom's really starting to grow on me. He's, I mean, he still has, like, even, I'm, you know, again, I'm, like, a third of the way into season two. Uh, so he's still doing some reprehensible stuff. But there's still, there's some moments where where Tom's, like, he's not such a, a, a punching bag. He actually stay, can, you know, will stand up for himself. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything about anything, Ned, of course. But, but Tom is a character that... When you when you kind of pay attention to where he's at and what he has to deal with, you start to you know kind of feel a little bit for him, yeah, uh, sort of. Um, but <laughs> and then he'll do something where you're like, you, that guy's a dick. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the things. One of the things that I'll bring up is that he kind of like Greg is his pressure release valve. Yeah. You know, he's mean to Greg. He's He's been nice to everybody else, and then Greg comes in, and he's just awful to him. Yeah. Not just awful, like, like, and that's the thing, is that he's not just mean to him, but he's mean to him, and then nice to him, and then mean to him, and then nice well, to him. Well, yeah, it's an abusive relationship. Yeah, exactly. It's a manipulative one, yeah. And and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I eventually, you eventually, I don't know. I have never liked Greg as a person. I like him as a character. One of the other things that I like about Succession, one of the things that made me like it, uh, was I watched a couple of videos, one on the music of it, and how the music, you know, like, oh, they bring in this theme, and then they bring this part in, and you can tell during this scene that, that you have this shade of this music that they use in this other scene and how it connects. There's that. And that I mean, uh, speaking of the music, though, there was, uh, I noticed in the first season, the composer leaned a little too heavily on the theme music and sprinkling it throughout the show. Well, and that's the thing. You say lean a little too heavily. Yes, uh, the, every the... freaking episode you heard the main theme like three or four times. I'm like, you're like, come on, man. <laughs> but sometimes sometimes they change little bits of it depending on anyway that was that was that part and then the other part about the camera work the camera work and how it like who it decides to focus on and that kind of thing and once i saw that stuff i got a new appreciation for it there was a little too much uh again they've they've in season two i've noticed they have relaxed on on the um the, the remixes of the main theme, I guess you could say, putting yeah. those throughout the episodes. And also the the zoom-in, zoom-out camera motion. There was a lot of that, especially in the pilot. I think they were trying to come up with a style and perhaps got some notes that were there, where they were like, you know, you're making your audience a little dizzy. And the rough, basically the rough edges kind of, 
go away eventually. Much yeah. like in in uh, like in a Seinfeld, let's say, eventually they hit their rhythm and they know you know, Seinfeld has a a feel then, right? This yeah. is this is what a Seinfeld episode is like, and it really works. Uh, same sort of thing with Succession. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's also you know it's one of those things where it's like I try to be. I tried to diversify my media consumption and and uh, but and and watch stories of underrepresented voices. But now, why why is this show about terrible rich white people so popular? Yeah, and that's and that's one of the things that I feel like. It might be a time capsule eventually, but it's also. I mean, it's it's the guy, um, the guy who did uh, the Big Short and all that stuff, right? Um, what's his name? Landlord. Uh, the creator of the Succession. Yeah, or one of the one of the people that that does. Jesse that. Armstrong I, is the creator oh, of the show. Hmm. I've I've not seen the Big Short. I wonder though, if so it's I don't know. produced by. Okay, Will it's Ferrell and Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Okay, do they produce it? Yes, they are okay. executive producers on the that, TV show. They are who I was thinking of. Bill, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay were the ones who did The Landlord, uh, uh, the viral video of... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, that, the like a pre-YouTube viral video. Right? Well, yeah. no, it was it, it, it was YouTube, though. It was on... Was it? Was it not yeah. on, like, College Humor or something? Oh, maybe. Speaking of College Humor... Uh, Dimension 20, Starstruck, still happening. <sighs> oh, God. I like it so much. So good. Um, and, uh, I don't know. There's some other, there's some other college humor stuff that's going on that I like as well. Um, I really like Game Changer. I've told you about Game Changer before. It's a, it's a game show where the rules change every, every time. Uh, Not unlike and, our little uh, game, where the ru- where the rules change mid game. Which, which game was that, Ben? Our game, our our annex oh, the, 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 game. The, the, yeah, sorry, Ben. Oh, hey, this is a great time to talk about this. Uh, people from the TTRPG land are mad at game theorists because the game theorists say that TTRPGs aren't games. <laughs> and this person's like, this is the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. It's called a tabletop role-playing game. How can it not be a game? Some people just want to stir crap up. And my answer, I have a very simple answer, Ben, and I'm going to lay it out for you and the rest of the podcast listening audience. Game theory is a type of mathematics. And one of the things about game theory is that there is a win state. I don't know if that's what they call it, but there's a several in in a game as far as their formulas and the things that they someone will win. Right? So poker is a game, right? Eventually somebody wins. Roulette. Other games. Uh baseball, <laughs> football, all all the all the sports, Ben. Yes. Wrestling, boxing, well, okay, now are all sports games? I don't know. But you get the idea. That Well, the, if by that definition that, that somebody wins, then maybe not, because you can have a tie in a sport. 
Well, yeah. Yeah, I would say that I would say that a tie would be part of this as well. But the fact is that in a role-playing game, there is no definitive win condition. Right? It's it's more of an art form, if you will. <laughs> it's Everyone about the gets, journey. It's, it's I would say, Ben, that role-playing this is my own personal thought. I'm sure that someone else is I'm not saying that I came up with this, but this is how I feel about it. I feel like role-playing games are a form of theater. Uh more closely a form of improv yeah and you don't win well it's storytelling unless you're doing comedy sports and i don't do comedy sports is storytelling a game so i would say no right no who wins in the end we all can you can gamify storytelling but storytelling in and of itself you know there is no win state yeah yeah um the the win state is everyone has a good time, and they become friends. Nobody gets mad at you for telling a story. I'm still um, I'm still thinking about the concept of moving, looking around at all the yeah. stuff and and how I would do that. Here's the other thing that I've I've started realizing. I can look up towns now, right? So if I don't want to live in Seattle, right? Yeah. Uh, because it's too expensive, and I want to move to a small town near Seattle, I can actually look up how liberal is this city, <laughs> how liberal is this town, what's you know that kind of thing. Is that a metric that you're going to use to to figure out how where to move? I believe so. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing: um, figuring out where I'm going to move. You know, Betty Betty would like to stay in the area for high school, right? Which is another yeah. year. Yeah. Um, if I have to move before then, um, you know, I will, but I would rather not. Um, but choosing where to move, right? I mean, I chose to move here because I knew people here. Yeah. And all that. But, I mean, the the districting and stuff like that, the, our votes get swallowed up by other people, basically. So we have our, our representatives in this area are all Republican. Yeah. Um, now, our senators are Democrat. <clears throat> but... That's because Chicago runs everything. Yeah. Chicago well, also pays I, all the taxes. You can That's also... Thing, yeah. You can also look at it like, do you want to be, you know, a lone Democratic voice in a Republican stronghold uh, where your votes doesn't re- don't really matter? Or do you want to lead the charge and help try to turn and flip a district? Yeah. You know? Because that, I think that's that's one of the one of the problems that uh, uh, not economists, but uh, you know, people who study these kinds of things say is happening in American politics is that we are localizing with like-minded people, and yeah. it, it's well, the com- country's becoming less diverse that way. And I mean, I will say this: that I and and if any potential, um, you know, anyone interested in getting involved with me in any sort of a you know, venture happens to be listening. I do my best to get along with whoever I'm working with, no matter what, what their persuasion 
you do have to give a little bit of yourself in order for that to happen. Yeah. Like I will suspect I I am perfectly capable of suspending my my um rancor <laughs> for 8 hours a day. Um <laughs> but it's it's much better if one groups up with like-minded people. At least, you know, finds some common ground with them. Now, when we're talking about a place where you live, where you're there 24-7, it might be useful to find a place that's kind of like-minded. A place that has the same sort of, you know, thoughts and feelings about stuff. And so that's that's where I'm kind of looking for that sort of thing. So, for instance, like if you, if you look at, say, Colorado, right? You got your um, very beautiful state. Very beautiful state. You got your Denver, Colorado. Uh, it's a pretty liberal, a uh, big city, right? It's Boulder, a metropolis. Boulder, Colorado, very liberal. Um, I don't know. And you've got your uh, Colorado Springs, which is more conservative. Uh, they say sometimes that Boulder and Colorado Springs balance each other out. But no matter what, you're still in Colorado, which is nice. Whereas if you're in Illinois you're and you're not in Chicago, you, you don't have a lot of natural scenery in general. <laughs> and so it makes living a in of, a place a, a little bit... A lot of planes bit, out there. Yeah. That's yeah. why they call it plane. Yeah, exactly. I still, I still uh, had suggested this that if if we wanted to get away from the word uh, white to describe people who are kind of, uh, you know, <clears throat> of that persuasion, we could start using the word plain instead. <laughs> I'll adopt it. I'm I consider myself very plain because I because I don't like it. Uh, the reason I the reason I chose plain was because uh, vanilla. Uh, first of all, vanilla, very dark, for real, if yeah, you look at it. vanilla beans are black. And also, delicious. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's what I like. Plain, not bland necessarily, but plain is, is general. And the reason is, the reason is because white was created uh, as kind of the cultural norm. The idea that it was, you know, this is, this is the stamp that you must fit yourselves into, they say to the Irish and the Italians, and the this is the this is the form that we want you to have, and then I, we're all going to be homogenized. I mean, kind of especially in this light in this camera, I look very white. But I mean, we are not white; we're more of a peachy color. Yeah, exactly. But but and I think see, this is the thing: is that plain describes an attitude more than a than a. A physical aspect as well yeah you know i don't <clears throat> i don't like things that are spicy i want to just have my normal <laughs> i don't know it's, but it's Paul, just if a, you have if I you had... have to move so if you have to move but you're but you're looking at where to move why don't you just like i'm assuming that you're deciding where to move based on a job that you're gonna have a uh, job that you're going to oh, have job, will allow you to work remotely. 
Well, that's the thing. This is the and this is the hard part. Is that um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, Ben. It is no longer that way. It is very <laughs> difficult to find jobs that will allow you to work remotely. Well, and, I've not looked for jobs, but I, I, I do hear the bigger companies are asking their employees to come back. And yeah. I do hear that you're not going to lose your job if you know if you say, I want to work from home. I have not heard that. I'm not saying that's not happening. I have not heard those stories. I'm and I give you find a, uh, it very hard to... to, to he, you know, I find it very hard to believe that a, a corporation will, you know, be that hard-lined about it, seeing as how we've been successfully doing it for two years. I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Imagine there's an old man, and yes, he's an old white man, Ben. And he says... He's an old plain I, man. An old plain man, Ben, and he says, I want to see the people that I'm paying working. <laughs> I want to make sure they're on the job. I do not want That's to screwing around. hear a voice on the phone telling me that they're doing something. I want to walk around and I want to see them. That's kind of, I, I believe this is what we're running into. Is. Anyway, all I'm saying is I don't think that you should get too down on any job prospects based on the fact that a lot of people are going back to the office. I think it's still very feasible to find a job that is fully remote these days. I would love it. Um, I'll just, I'll just say this, Ben. Um, I am pursuing opportunities and the opportunities that I'm pursuing, I am choosing the best opportunities that I have available to me based on all of the information I'm being given. Right. That's all you can do. Exactly. Um, but the one thing I will say is that people who are not me, uh, who are also in the same boat as me? Yeah, people uh, like on social media who I who I watch, who post about their their prospects and all that, are all saying the same thing, which is that potential employers are saying that they're having a hard time finding candidates, and yet they've applied to multiple jobs and no one has ever gotten back to them about them. Which, I don't know, does that sound familiar to you at all, Ben? I mean, we've talked about this before. There's, There was a lot, you know, they called the great resignation, but uh, most of that happened, say, in the service industry. Yep. Uh, I do not know how the job market is for qualified professionals in, say, tech or yeah. in other, you know, sort of high, uh, high-educated roles yeah so my what i can say is that from and granted this is this is from the scientific uh nature of my tiktok there are a lot of people in tech right now who are complaining that they quit their job because they thought that they would be hired by people and they've been out of out of work for a year now that kind of stuff uh which is why i don't um well it's not only why i i Here's the thing. Once I actually get a hold of something, I'm like a, a terrier in this way. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't like shake your head and tear it apart. Exactly. I like I like continuing to run the thing to ground and find out you know, well how can we make this work? That sort of thing. 
Uh, and so n it's just like how I, how I can't quit a, a a dumb film, right? The same thing. I'll watch it to the end usually, unless Jennifer's there. Uh, we walked out of Match Point by Woody Allen because we were like, no thanks, don't like it. Never seen it. Yeah, I've I never I, I only watched saw that of half of it. I've uh, you've only seen Match. Uh, I <laughs> have only walked out of a movie once. I don't remember what movie it was, but the only reason I did is because the group of people I was with wanted to leave. If yeah. I was there on my own, I would have stayed. And I wish I could remember what movie it was, but I was like, really, guys? You want to you wanna go? What, but it's the... Well, I, it, it, and it's not like it was a good movie, but like... Yeah. Still, Wait, what was the, you, did you say that you couldn't remember what it was? I can't remember what it is, no. I find that weird. I would think it would be burned into your... I was in the middle of watching... No, the 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 experience of standing by the usher while refunds were given it bur is burned into my mind. But wow. not the, act not the actual uh, Wow. Movie. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't ask for my money back. I don't... Yeah. I don't think we did. Um, so here's the thing. I'm looking at Edward, right? Here, I'm going to give him a close-up. Hey, Edward. The camera... This is that oh word. god. Very cute, right? <laughs> cute dog. He's a dog. Um So if I if I had some of Edward's features, um <laughs> the black nose black nose wouldn't be that scary. It'd be you'd you'd think, oh, he's wearing a costume of some kind. Uh black eyes because my my eyes are so big that the whites are hidden. Um, it's more scary, right? But a yeah. but a mouth that extends outward <laughs> with sharp teeth, horrifying. Well, yeah. Now you're no longer a human. And I think that's the thing, though, is that half human, half dog, horrifying, right? A dog with a human set of teeth also would be scary. <laughs> there was a. You remember when the first Sonic the Hedgehog movies trailers came out and people were horrified yeah. at the way Sonic looked? One of the reasons was because they gave Sonic human teeth. Yeah. And luckily that di that didn't last. Yeah. Which was nice. So Still haven't um, seen that movie either. Yeah, I hear good things about <clears throat> it, but I also haven't seen it. So I was a Nintendo person when I was a kid. I wasn't uh I didn't didn't really play Sonic. I think I played it in college because my uh, roommate had a, a Genesis. So I, I'm, as you can tell by by the way that I'm staring, I'm thinking about this. I'm gonna take my car. My wife and my kids can take <laughs> my wife's car. Nice callback from the beginning of the show. Yeah, and then and then everything should be fine. This is this happens to me um, often. I think here. Uh, have you have you heard Ben that the DSM six, uh, which is uh, going to be replacing the DSM five eventually, the rules for what is autism is going to be are sorry the rules are going to be revised. The criteria. Okay, I had not heard that. It's true, um, and so I look forward to perhaps not being autistic anymore, depending on what exactly. They uh, you let they a book tell you that criteria, yeah, yeah, exactly. I let a book tell me that, and this is the thing, Ben, and this is why uh, kind of what I wanted to end on. 
Um, I have been me the whole time, <clears throat> right? Yes. Uh, 80s, nothing wrong with me. 90s, schizotypal personality disorder. Uh, early 2000s, ADHD, adult ADHD, now autistic. I've been me this whole time. <laughs> autistic makes the most sense, and it, and I fit a lot of the criteria, but if they change the criteria, that might change. And we talk a lot about, and this is why I wanted to mention it, we talk a lot about future um, people listening to this. If, if I made uh, having what I have my own identity, I would have been calling myself an Aspie. I would have talked about how I have Asperger's and all that kind of stuff. But now Asperger's is gone. And much like I'm lucky that TikTok wasn't around when I was in my 20s, I'm glad yeah. that I didn't have my current diagnosis at that time because, you know, I would have made a harder shift. And there are still some people who can't make it. And so I'm just talking to our future archaeologists who may be listening to this. I know the fact that I'm saying that I'm, that I'm autistic may not fit whatever labels are around at the time that this is being listened to. I acknowledge it. And I talk again about how Pluto is Pluto. Pluto was a planet, then Pluto wasn't a planet, but it was still Pluto the whole time. And yes, it is not lost on me that Pluto is another label that we put on the thing that is Pluto. But you know what I'm saying. And that's all, Paul, Ben. Are you telling me that you're Pluto? Is that, was ben, that where this is going? Ben, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Oh my gosh. <laughs> one, of the best, one of the best things that I ever read on, on Twitter. Um, goofy... Goofy, I can't remember how many how it fit into the character count, but Goofy walked in. Pluto was at the stove cooking eggs. It finally happened, he said, uh, which I love because it, it's spooky and it's weird and it's that whole thing of why why can Goofy talk but Pluto can't? What is the what is the weird hierarchy of animals? And Speaking of which, because we have a little bit more time still, I'm checking my checking my notes to see where we're at. Oh yeah, we've got another another five minutes, Ben. We can talk about it. Chronicles of Narnia. Did you ever read them? No, nor have I seen okay. the book. Ah, nor have I seen the book. Nor have I seen the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have seen the book. I will okay, tell you. There I, go. I have done that. <laughs> so I got the 50th anniversary edition of Chronicles of Narnia. And the thing is that some people in the fantasy world uh, dislike it, dislike it immensely because it's, you know, it's Christian propaganda. Well, the Christian overtones, mas yeah. Masquerading as, but if you, like I did, grew up in a heavily religious household, right? The Chronicles of Narnia being something that you could read was amazing. Yeah. Because the thing is this, it's, it's. A, it's a Christian story, right? But there's no church in it. It's all, it's all like told subtext and whatnot. In well, well, not even in sub. The basic thing. This is what C.S. Lewis, uh, author of *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* and all the other Narnia books, said uh, that it's not an allegory. Uh, he was imagining what, what the Christian story would be in this other world. So mm. so it's still got the same rules and things like that, but he's telling he's telling it as it's 
as hey, its you've own You've frozen story. on me. I don't know uh, what's going on here. Oh, but, oh so now you're back. He's telling, but he's telling it as his own story. Is yeah. is the way, um, and and he was very adamant about that. Now, was he adamant about that because it is a ham-fisted? Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe he he would have had time to have thought of it by that time. But I agree with it. And and anyway, I I love the books, and the chance to read them again in a pristine volume with with amazing illustrations and stuff like that is really great. And you can also read them with uh, 40 years of context behind you. Exactly. Uh, This sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Why isn't anyone killing anybody? Actually, people do kill. But the reason I mention it, the reason I mention it is that there is a a thing where there are animals that talk and animals that don't in in the world of Narnia. Much and like one the, of the Goofy versus Pluto question. Right, exactly. That's what that's why I thought of it. And <clears throat> and and one of the one of the big scenes in this is that this guy uh is is eating at 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 this at this uh palace of this other person. Like this I don't know if it's a king or a baron or what, but uh they're eating and they're talking and and one of the guys says, Do you remember how it looked at us and said, Please don't kill me? And he realizes that he's eating a talking animal, <laughs> and that and that horror and the 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 feeling of it was just visceral and kind of amazing. And again, you know, this is one of those things of of uh, like the time time passing faster in Narnia than it does in the real world. Stuff like that. All the different things that it made me think about as a kid. Pretty great. I never thought about this until now, um, but I've, I'm wondering if uh, Goofy is to Pluto what humans are to chimps, and so um, if there's a uh, so Goofy yeah. is just a more uh, is like they're 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 from they have the same ancestors, but they're different lines on the genealogy tree, right? Uh, uh, and so I'm wondering if there are more Goofies in that world. You got some who deny that evolution, and they were like, "Well, if if we're descended from Plutos, how come there are still Plutos?" Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, we and Pluto and and us <laughs> had a common ancestor. Um, although I do like the idea of a Planet of the Apes, but it's Planet of the Plutos, and they're all Plutos, and they all can talk. And then Goofy's there, uh, and and all the other Goofies are just dumb. Get your paws so, off me, you damn dirty Pluto. Yeah, exactly. Well, get your paws <laughs> off me, you damn dirty Pluto. Gorsh. <laughs> what does that statue mean? <laughs> Would Plutos make a Goofy that can talk? It's I been Disney World this whole time? Oh, my God. That's it, Ben. <laughs> That's totally it. That's totally it. Oh, my God. It's, uh, what is it, uh, Cinderella's castle? Which, which castle? What, what is the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sleeping Beauty's castle? Sleeping Beauty's castle. You some maniacs! Ca- <laughs> you blew it up! Ben, this is awesome. What a great way to end this episode. I love it so much. All right. Thanks, Ben. Uh, hey, between now and, uh, when we talk again... On this podcast, uh, keep it wrong. Very saying, yeah, keep it wrong, and I'll talk to you. Actually, I'll talk to you on Saturday. But for our right. listeners, I'll see you next week. Exactly. See you, Ben. Bye. Bye. And we're off.